over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Once again, as is the case every Sunday from 11 to 12, it's our Animal Welfare Hour exclusive to WABC. With my wife Nancy, was our animal rescuer. And also, there is a special uh, treat for all of you. If you like to watch videos, my wife uh, assesses information that she shares with all of you with videos and photographs. If you just go to the WABC YouTube channel and type in Red Apple Media, and you will see all the different uh, animal welfare issues that Nancy and I comment on in video form. And you can share all of these. Share all of these with people that you know that love animals just like you, especially this program here. You can check all the podcasts in the past at WABCRadio.com. Nancy, uh, we were celebrating Mother's Day at our apartment for Whiskers, (laughs) the female cat who just delivered six kittens, what, uh, maybe two, three weeks ago? Well, no, actually one month ago. One month ago? Wow. Yeah, they just, they just had a birthday this weekend. And I see they're crawling all over the place. Yeah, now they're they're starting to move, which is you know, which is great because it helps with uh socializing them, but now it's it's almost like planning for, you know, when you have like children walking around in an apartment, you have to make sure like everything is um sort of kitten proof, which we haven't had to have for like a while, so they can crawl into like little places that you're not expecting because the adult cats like wouldn't dare do that. So you know, it's just like a reminder to uh, you know be mindful of the kittens. So uh, sort of give us an idea of what it was like uh, for um, Whiskers, who was one of the many cats that you've rescued in the past few years, who was scheduled. Uh, to be uh, killed, euthanized, destroyed at the animal shelter, animal care and control? Well, I mean, yeah, so with the, I mean, unfortunately, with, um, you know, kittens who are uh, born into the shelter system or they're brought into the shelter, you know, you would think that they have the best chance at adoptability, but Unfortunately, that's not the case because when they're tiny, you know, they don't have staff to care for them. So when you have a cat who, you know, and and now, especially with spring, it's kitten season. So, you know, when kittens are brought into the shelter, unfortunately, they're, you know, euthanized uh, more often than not because of that reason. So, you know, you want to make sure you're spaying and neutering. But again, like, thankfully, when, you know, if you are able to rescue um, a cat and, you know, they give birth and, you know, then you can get them fixed afterwards. But, you know, at least we're able to find homes for these kittens here. And, you know, I mean, it, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's bittersweet. It's, 
it's everything you would imagine it would be <laughs> with the kittens born. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC. And uh, Pope uh, Francis and the many messages that he gives at this time of year uh, towards the end of spring apparently was blasting couples in the Roman Catholic Church who have pets instead of babies. He was specifically encouraging Italians to have more children. Now, this is like the second time he said this in two years from his bully pulpit. Don't have pets. Have kids. I, I'm, I'm a little confused about that. Well, uh, what do you make of this? Well, first of all, I mean, like clearly it, from a, a standpoint of having such a large bully pulpit, as you put it, it that's never a good message to give. Now, I may, maybe part of the defense of it was he was speaking at a pro-family meeting, and they were centering around the fact that in Italy, the uh, birth rate is uh, very low. But, you know, they, they didn't want to attribute it to maybe uh, economic causes. So um, specifically, the Pope brought up uh, during an interview that he had um, met with a woman who had brought her dog to this event and said, oh, you know, Pope, can you bless my baby? And it was the dog. And he made a point of saying, oh, well, I don't have any patience. And I yelled at her and I said, with how many hungry children there are, you know, why are you here with a dog? So clearly that's a bad message to send because, you know, it, it's not acknowledging that there's so many animals who, who need help. Not everyone, you know, is in a position to have a child, want a child, but really to, you know, put in a bad light people who prioritize lives of living creatures. I mean, I really don't, I, I didn't understand that. Well, also, it's the second time he's done that in two years. Uh, I believe it's Thursday I have to be at the St. Francis Assisi Church in Astoria. It's a community meeting. And St. Francis Assisi is the patron saint in the Roman Catholic Church for Animals. Um, Also, uh, remember, we attended an event right before the lockdown and pandemic that Cindy Adams hosted every year, the blessing of the animals. And it was Cardinal Dolan who stood for hours blessing every animal that came into that church. I mean, and there were a wide variety of animals. There were pigs. There were llamas, there were monkeys, there were dogs, there were cats. And he stayed and he blessed every one of them. And, you know, I was raised in the Roman Catholic Church. I know you were. And I was raised uh, under the guise of St. Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of the animals. I I get a, a real feeling that this pope really just doesn't like pets. Yeah, I mean, and again, like to to make a special point of calling out people who are empathetic to living creatures, I certainly don't understand. And um, actually, just to mention, too, like, happy Mother's Day to my mom, right? But with St. Francis, the, um, you know, like, I grew up in a household with animals, but the the first job I remember my mother having, she worked at an animal hospital, St. Francis. So as a child, I was able to go to an animal hospital and, you know, during the weekends and see animals there. So, like, you know, I feel like that was a great experience growing up. 
It also it's, uh, conflicts with what we're being told about world population. There are 8 billion people now on our planet. And we're trying to control the population so we don't deplete all the resources because our children and uh, grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren are not all going to be able to get on an Elon Musk uh, rocket and go to Mars and colonize Mars. Uh, So you would think if somebody has a pet, any kind of a pet, and they don't have a lot of children. They've either chosen not to have children or maybe they can't have children. I mean, if Pope is kind of insensitive when he says that. It's like, leave well enough alone. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's lots of ways to care for humanity. So why to sort of uh, single out people who love animals when clearly they're struggling for so long to get recognition in society I mean, I again, I just don't understand. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Now, Nancy, you are known to frequent uh, Central Park, and at times when there's an eclipse, uh, when there's a full moon, uh, a lot of folks have asked me, "Why does your wife go over to the Rambles, get on, gets on that big granite rock, and howls to the moon?" And I tell her basically, "Hey, look." My wife, her nickname is Lone Wolf One. She likes to go into the park. And you do, morning, noon, and night. But now I see there are reports that there are buzzards circling over Central Park. Actual buzzards? Okay, yes. Yes, okay, so I just to clear up, up that story. Yes, I do like to go to Central Park. I don't howl at the moon, but there are buzzards, in fact. That's what I mean. There are buzzards actually um, now winding up in New York City, Central Park, all of this area. And, again, it's one of these anomalies that no one can really explain. So what the official explanation is is that, oh, we have a mild winter. Um, you know, there's, uh, it's almost like they're being taken off of course. But, once again, it really doesn't make a lot of sense because – where this particular buzzard is um, native to is Mexico and Latin America. So, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know what most people associate buzzards with, but I, I think I'm a little worried that they are hanging around New York City. Well, I will tell you this. As a kid, this is long before you were birthed, uh, Nancy. Uh, we used to watch cartoons with buzzards in it. I forget their names, but they were pretty popular. Uh, the closest thing to a buzzard uh, I ever saw were the vultures. Oh, yeah. So similar to the buzzard, except I saw them in Bombay, India. They were on the top of these huge skyscrapers just waiting, looking down. And in Bombay, they have such a huge overflow population that a lot of people live in these shanty towns. And I asked uh, the person I was with who was uh, originally had gone to Rutgers University, was uh, Indian by birth, but was back in Bombay. I said, what do those vultures do? He goes, when they see somebody fall to the ground because they've died of either malnutrition or disease, they swoop in and they pick on their bones. And I said, in Bombay itself? He goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So just the thought that there are buzzards and potentially vultures Flying around Central Park. <laughs> well, that may be another way to get rid of the rats. Because let's face it, 
they're predators of rats. Yeah, I mean, again, it's not necessarily a bad sign. It's just unusual. So, so again, then the question comes down to, like, why are they here? That's the That really is the important question. It's just that we're observing them. Wow. Buzzards in Central Park. I would have never thought. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then I understand there is a situation affecting New Jersey residents in which uh, a certain animal has become like a peeping Tom uh, staring into people's homes. Is this true? Say it ain't so, Nancy. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so apparently there's um, like a, a goat that's wandering around <laughs> in New Jersey. Now, now, what's really interesting is for some reason the, the town is very quick to um, disassociate this goat from, I guess, the only potential goat farm there is. And then also, but also urge people, if you see the goat, don't try to, you know, work with it or capture it, just call us. So it's a very specific goat, but it's looking in people's windows, so. It's a peeping Tom. It's a peeping Tom goat, correct, yeah. Now, question, what town in Jersey is this goat going from house to house peering inside? Okay, so it's in, let's see, uh, well, it's in. Chatham Township. Mm. Chatham Township. Well, I can assure people, look, there is a benefit to having goats. I've seen it myself in Riverside Park. They bring goats in from up in the Mid-Hudson Valley, and they start chomping on all the um, uh, all the greenery, you know, some of it that just grows up. It's very difficult to eliminate, uh, you know, the grass, uh, weeds. They're like uh, human, uh, I mean, not human, but uh, they actually just like munch it, crunch it, and then eliminate it. They use them up at the uh, areas in Yonkers, at the golf course there. So if you're having a problem with your lawn and you don't want to always have to go out and mow the lawn, just keep a goat there. The problem is they may eat the flowers too, but they're great at trimming the lawn. There, There is... There's a multitasking effect to having this goat, Nancy, that a lot of people may not be aware of. Oh, yeah. And, and again, there's no indication that this goat is aggressive or a problem. It's just that it's wandering the town. And for some reason, they want you to call authorities on it. I don't know why. What are they going to do, arrest the goat? I don't know. But, I mean, but I would say I, I'm not sure unless there's a, a reason to call. I, I'm not sure I would suggest calling. A peeping Tom goat. <laughs> anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, there was a, really, uh, a ruling having to do with the way pigs uh, are maintained in California. I believe it was by our own United States Supreme Court. Could you define what the situation was and what the court decided? Um, okay, so... This has to do, I mean, it's a very specific type of issue. Um, pork sales in California. And, you know, f- from an animal rights perspective, trying to uh, create more of a humanitarian way to house these pigs before, you know, their ultimate destiny of being slaughtered for food. So the the current regulations, according to federal government, are... 14 square feet. 
So that means that anyone who's, uh, you know, housing a, a pig for these purposes, now this this isn't enough room for them to even turn around. So, you know, this is where the uh, really inhumane element came into effect. So California, um, you know, put forward this case trying to, you know, uh, you know, create this level of humanity for the pigs, saying we want 24 square feet. And again, the uh, pork producers in the state, they, you know, it got to the level of the Supreme Court, and ultimately it was decided in favor that this isn't a, a too uh, burdensome regulation on the pork industry, and therefore they have to abide by it. But again, it's such a small carve-out for this particular industry, which is saying that you know, if you're getting pork from out of state, you have to assure that they abided by these guidelines. The level of bureaucracy that would be set up to assure that is so minimal. I mean, I think obviously the bigger thing is just completely cutting this out. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, we've already acknowledged that, uh, you know, pigs have the same level of sentience as individuals do, so having them in this situation whatsoever is ridiculous. So these court cases that linger on for decades, giving them 10 more feet of square footage is meaningless. Like, it's, they have to be so much more bold in what they're doing if they're really trying to protect animals. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not uh, a 4-H club member. I was never a Farmer Jones uh, kid. But on occasion, I'd go visit my grandparents on my dad's side, the Polish side, in Lockport, Illinois. That's between Joliet and Chicago. And they had subdivided areas, but originally it was a farm that my grandfather Anton and my grandmother Wanda had before they subdivided all the place. And it was my job when I was there to take the the, uh, scraps from the table, whatever was uh, uh, the dinner, and go slop the hogs because they had hogs there in a pen. And I got to tell you, these pigs were like the brightest animals I ever ran across. And then they had a horse. It was like one of the dumbest animals that I ever ran across. So slopping the hogs, feeding the hogs in uh, their uh, area, it's an incredible learning experience as to how bright these uh, pigs were and how they see, they interacted much better with me than the horse did. The horse is kind of dulcet, uh, sort of like uh, Ken, our phone screener here, you know, is uh, a real still not. And... Uh, when you go to Iowa, which I've been to, and you watch the way the hogs are raised, that's the number one hog-raising state, number two is North Carolina, and see, these hogs are given no room to move. I mean, it is incredibly barbaric, the way they just grow the hogs, fatten them up, bring them to the slaughterhouse. These poor hogs get... They can't ever go anywhere. The female hogs are basically just there to create little piglets, and that's it. And they're like no movement whatsoever. It's horrible. It's yeah, really all, horrible. All the money that's been spent so long trying to, um, you know, uh, protest these regulations and the industries that are trying to oppose them, it, it could have been easily solved if they would have just made some of these changes a while ago. You know, they could have worked some of these tax breaks in because this is what they're trying to basically protest. They don't want to um, update some of their protocols, which basically just involves being so inhumane to these animals. It's a very simple thing. People don't want it. You know, people don't want to have this. So it's a, a very easy thing to make happen.
You know, uh, it was required reading in school that we had to read um, Animal Farm uh, with Napoleon, the chief pig, and the other pigs, and the amount of intelligence uh, that they had. You know, you say, well, that's creative license, but I got to tell you, when I was slopping those hogs, those those hogs were like talking to me. I I wish I could have had somebody sort of uh, tell me what they were saying in pig Latin. Did you know what pig Latin is, uh, Nancy? Yes, I do. Yeah, well, when I was in jail, the brothers were using pig Latin on me, thinking I didn't know what pig Latin was. Well, let me tell you, I kept that one eye open all night, sharing jail cells with them, that's for sure. Good old-fashioned pig Latin. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Another situation that definitely requires trying to figure this out. There's an area in New Jersey that a bear was climbing a tree, which is what they naturally do. And the bear got euthanized because they were climbing the tree. Okay. Right. So the, the information is not super clear because unfortunately none of the authorities are uh, speaking at this point about what happened. But um, last week on Thursday, there was a bear who was, uh, you know, like uh, someone called in saying that a bear was in the neighborhood climbing a tree. <laughs> so apparently what happens is the protocol is that the, uh, you know, the local authorities, they come by, they try to either scare it away or capture it. So the last um, information they have is that it was darted, they carried it away, um, so the one account was that it had been euthanized for some, you know, health reason. Then another account was that it was released somewhere, like, uh, to roam around. So I don't know if it's very clear what's happening, but apparently that, that's what occurs. If someone calls into, I guess, like the authorities, 311, 911, there's a bear in my neighborhood, right away they come around, they just pick it up and swoop it off and do who knows what to it. Yeah, so can you uh, follow up on that to find yeah, out absolutely. what happened to that bear? I think it was in Union County. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, hopefully I can find out, but I will I will definitely dive into that one. And speaking of bears, uh, you know, the polar bears are on the march, and in some instances they've been uh, cross-pollinating with uh, black bears, uh, with uh, uh, the bears uh, that are different than them because – they're basically combating over area that normally was uh, separate. So you had the Yosemite bears that were up in the northern parts of the Yukon in Alaska, and then you had the polar bears further north. Can you explain what's happening up there now? Okay, so we're um, in this um, area of Canada where polar bears are um, equivalent in population to people, Apparently, so now there's a, an issue where um, bears are the polar bears are starting to arrive into the town earlier than normal, right? So a lot of the stuff we've been talking about the past bunch of weeks has to do with um, you know animals going off of course or uh, being somewhere they're not supposed to because of um, you know like changes in their normal environment. So here, what's happening is that. Normally, uh, when the ice, uh, you know, melts, the, it's like later in the season. 
So when the bears walk into town, they just walk straight through, and then they go to, like, the national park. But they got there earlier, and so what happens is there's they're, like, quote-unquote terrorizing people because they're picking through the garbages. So the problem is that they're saying that the only ones who would show up and pick through the garbages are, like, the unruly ones. So they're sweeping them up and putting them into what they call, like, um, polar bear jail. <laughs> so what happens is for a minimum of 30 days, they, uh, you know, put the polar bears there. They don't provide any uh, food for them because they're trying to discourage them, you know, sort of socializing with people going forward. But, you know, this is basically they're punishing them because the environment changed and the ice melted sooner and they just happened to walk through town where people left the garbage out. So there's polar bear jail in Canada? <laughs> yes, there is. For 30 days, minimum of 30 days. So that means uh, the RCMPs, Dudley Do-Right and his uh, trusty Steed and Nell are guarding these polar bears in a polar bear jail. Yeah, I mean, and, and it sounds really sweet because they said, oh, f- for the the mothers with the, the babies, the cubs, it's air-conditioned. But then they describe, like, how they potentially capture them by paintballing them, like, it sounds like a little bit off-putting, like, you know, maybe they're not being totally honest about what's going on. But, again, they're being blamed for the fact that they can just walk over the ice a little faster because the climate changed. Like, it's not their fault. And, it's, I mean, if anything, it should be a directive to the public at large, hey, you should be make sure you contain your garbage because it's not their fault. Well, talking to people who should be in jail, uh, there have been a number of thefts at gunpoint in New York City. When somebody has a particular breed of dog that these thugs or thuggets want, we have the most recent case. Um, I think it was up in the Bronx. Yeah, and this is a American bulldog. Um, and, and again, another uh, you know example of. And this person who it was uh, stolen from had basically, I guess it's like the equivalent of a a small-scale breeder, you know, they had um, puppies, they advertised them online and said, oh, puppies for sale. And then the uh, individuals who were interested in purchasing, they gave them their home address, and so they came to the house, and, as a, you know, unfortunately what happened was they just stole the dog at, at gunpoint. So, but again, this is like another example of, you know, that, that sort of market of trying to sell you know, these animals online, this is where the breeders are going. You know, it's a lot of, like, danger elements to doing things like that. But, you know, th- these are very high-priced dogs. So there's a, there's a reason to be very, you know, cognizant of the fact that people are going to be, you know, looking at, you know, what you would consider, like, a family member as something that, you know, is worthy of stealing. Well, I, I think at this point the police uh, have not yet caught the suspects who are grinning into a camera it's so common nowadays, no matter what you do in New York City, few, if any, people get arrested. And then when they do get arrested, in this case, uh, stealing this American bulldog at gunpoint, there probably will be no consequences. That's Darcel Clark, the uh, uh, district attorney up in the Bronx, who's even worse, believe it or not, not, than Alvin Bragg. And then finally, before we go to the calls, at one 9222 there's a dangerous rabbit terrorizing an Iowa neighborhood. A rabbit has people afraid to come out of their house? 
Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why, but apparently it's uh, several times attacked people and to the point of uh, biting individuals. So, uh, again, I'm I'm guessing this is sort of abnormal behavior uh, for rabbits, but this rabbit has been uh, called upon by the authorities. So, you know, hopefully it, it won't continue doing this. Now, when you grew up in Bohemia, out in Suffolk County, you always had rabbits, right? No, no, no. I never, I never had rabbits. Um, like, I, I no, I, I never had rabbits myself, um, and I never had them in the the back lawns either. Um, you know, some some places do, but no, not me. All right, our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. When we come back. Whatever's on your mind involving animal welfare issues, it's yours truly, Curtis Lewa and uh, Nancy, who has rescued, I mean, dozens and dozens of cats and saved them from being euthanized and destroyed at animal shelters throughout the five boroughs of the city of New York. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. To the phones we go, Nancy. It's Joe in Jericho. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Giuseppe. Hey, my buddy Curtis. Let me tell you something. I'm going to hit your rapid fire, and as usual, you respond. An American Marine should have had a service animal, a dog with a shot with him. Uh, I was with you shoulder to shoulder in the early days by the angel. And just a few weeks ago, a psycho tried to hold up. In broad daylight on First Avenue by the VA hospital, tried to attack the driver. 13 millennials stood by and did nothing. I got out of my wheelchair with my cane. I put it inside the door. I said, you're not getting on. Get lost. The dog, American Blue Nose Italian master, was barking. And then the cops took him away. I told the driver, hit the horn. My brother and me, mother and Marine, brother and mother and me should not go to jail. It's chasing his phone out. Adopt the dogs and cats and bring them out in public. And that way you keep these creeps, these scums, and these lowlifes and sportachy demondo at bay. Because they'll be afraid of the dogs. Well, you know, it's interesting, Joe. Uh, uh, Nancy, you and I, we took our stroll in the afternoon this Mother's Day. And we were going up and down Columbus Avenue near where we live in the Upper West Side. And we saw a few closed storefronts. And then we also saw a pet shop in which they had some little puppies in the window. And you came up with the idea that instead of keeping unwanted dogs or cats in shelters where they're out of sight, out of mind, the city should basically lease all this empty space, put the dogs and cats in the windows, and they'll be adopted in no time at all. We saw a family that was having a discussion right there as they looked at the two little puppy dogs about going inside and bringing them home. That was a brilliant idea of yours. Yeah, I mean, and again, this is, I mean, this is so beyond unacceptable. I mean, it was already... Uh, voted on, um, agreed into law that they're going to be doing this, um, you know, sort of phasing out these, uh, you know, storefronts that more or less just are showcasing the puppy mill type dogs and, you know, making it where someone can showcase the 
animals who are in the shelter system. They have the mechanism set up already for the normal reason that everything takes so slow in city government, it's waiting for another year and a half before it goes into existence. And every single day, the shelter continues to kill these animals. There's zero reason. Everyone agreed it's already logical. So why we're waiting when we can figure out, oh, it's an emergency for some individuals, some people. How is it not an emergency when animals are being killed? I don't understand. Well, we just, a, it out. just along Madison Avenue, uh, when I was walking uh, to WABC uh, this past Saturday to do left versus right with Anthony Weiner, I counted about, as I was coming down from uh, from about 80th all the way down to about 50th, that's about 30 blocks, about one out of every four storefronts was empty. Uh, those uh, that looked like they were opening up were these uh, illegal weed shops. You know, they were basically signs, uh, you know, tobacco shop opening up uh, in June. It's nothing more than a, uh, a false pretense uh, for an illegal weed shop. And it would make so much sense. You put dogs or cats uh, that are ready to be adopted in windows. And I guarantee you people are going to stop. They're going to talk. If they can't take the dog or the cat right there or other animals, they'll they'll go home. They'll talk with their family members. And they'll probably be there the very next day to do the adoption. It's like basic logic that any, you know, advertiser, you know, would be using. Same way that you buy space on a shelf in a store, oh, it's more accessibility. People see it. The way that our city shelter system is run, it hides animals away in the background where no one can ever see them for the purpose of just euthanizing them. That's the difference between trying to get them adopted or trying to just kill them. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Terry in Poughkeepsie. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Terry. Nancy, your voice is wonderful. Curtis, you're wonderful, too, but you're not as good as Nancy. Nancy, uh, my cat is uh, 20 years old, and he's got, like, bird feathers. It's almost like bird feathers. you got to see the birds. Now, wait a second. Describe that, Terry. Your cat is 20 years old and is sprouting bird feathers? Yeah. It's fur. It's like, uh, he's here now. He's now, Nancy, in your wide range of experiences with cats from, like, all over the globe, have you ever come across a cat, as described by Terry, that seems to be growing bird feathers? No, it's the fur. It's the fur. It's, like, such a such a weird fur. You, you touch it, it's like... Okay, so now has, has the fur changed over time, you're saying? Nancy would know. Yeah. Okay, so it's over time it's changed, yeah. No. She's 20 years old. Nancy, Wait, so it's always been bird feathers? It came out of the woods. It wasn't even one of the – I didn't go buy it. it. Maybe it's a bird. It came Have out of the woods checked? 20 years ago. Have you double-checked? It could be a bird. What? Oh, yes. I, I take care of the birds, and uh, the birds are wonderful, and uh, they're expensive now. But don't worry about that. You girls – Curtis, you and your girls, just don't worry about it, all right? We're taking care of the animals, and don't go talking about all these negative things about the the creatures. 
No, no, no problem, Terry. I'll do you solid on that. You go back to staring at your 20-year-old cat and describing it as bird fetish that the fur has become. Now, you were describing one of the kittens that was just born to uh, whiskers. (laughs) You were telling me how that uh, kitten, who resembles Tuna, who we recently lost, the uh, Russian blue, how her uh, fur is so much thicker than her brothers and sisters. Why is that? Well, okay, yeah. Okay, so I'm not sure why, but now that they're, you know, they've gotten a little bigger, you know, some of their traits are uh, starting to show. So the one that absolutely looks like tuna, like the Russian blue, for some reason has a very soft coat. It's softer than the other cats. So I'm not sure because, again, the way that, um, you know, the uh, the the cats can um, have a litter, surprisingly, it can be a multitude of uh, you know, either fathers or also just, you know, lineage, like, the, you know, the genetics of how this works out. So it, it, she could easily be a Russian blue, and, you know, one of the other cats looks like, um, you know, again, they have very different um, traits to them, but the one that's a Russian blue is very soft, for sure. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Larry. Yeah, I'd like to make a couple of comments. First of all, that hog farming is outrageous. Something has, that's archaic. Something has to be done about that. We have to make protests because these people are backward people that are raising these hogs, and all they care about is the bottom line. And secondly, the polar bears, okay? I think they're trying – I don't know much about this uh, jail, but I, it sounds like they're hastening their deaths because polar bears will eat to forestall hunger. If they get out and they're hungry at 30 days, I've seen pictures of starving polar bears in Canada, because of the ice, they die of starvation. So maybe they're just trying to, like, uh, give them a little head start in, in killing them off so they don't come back, but they're not telling anybody, okay? And uh, my third comment is, you were talking about buzzards in Central Park? Well, maybe, maybe they're there because some of the migrants are practicing the ancient Aztec rituals of human sacrifice, and the buzzards are anticipating that. <laughs> Uh, no, no, Larry, they're, they're, these are not from the Aztec days and the Mayan days. Uh, it's quite a few, uh, quite a few centuries ago. But it is interesting, his, his reaction to the pigs and how they're raised and prepared for slaughter and how they're given little, if any, latitude or movement. And also about, as you had mentioned, uh, the polar bears being put into polar bear jails by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police because they're roaming for food. Oh, as yeah, the- and I definitely want to comment on that because I, I, I completely agree. I think this was um, like a PR narrative spin because I, I think they were forced to put this story out that sounded very cutesy about polar bear jail. But they also did go out of their way to acknowledge some of these basic things like saying, Oh, unless they're really hungry, like starving, they wouldn't approach town. So in other words, you're saying the most vulnerable who woke up early, and again, like all these recognitions of saying, oh, the the environment's getting smaller, they have less food sources, this is what's happening. So you're saying the most vulnerable, the most in need, 
what we're going to do is we're going to do corporal punishment. We're going to teach them a lesson, put them in jail for 30 days, and then and, and what they even acknowledge this. This is behavioral training. So next time around, when they wake up from hibernation, they won't do this. Like, how in the world do you know that's going to work? Like, it does sound exactly like what you're saying. They're just planning to euthanize them. Let's go to Judy in Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Judy. Hey, I want to give a shout-out for having little baby pigs and knowing, oh, my God, how smart they are. I'm a, I'm a Chicago-born person, but I'm in Westchester. When I was young, are you there? Yeah, no, you're getting a pig shout-out. From uh, when I was slopping the hogs in Lockport, which is outside of Chicago, and you having uh, baby piglets uh, in Westchester or when you grew up in Chicago? No, no. When I lived in McHenry, which is not so far from Rockford, my dad had the only books I ever saw him read, and that was in the bathroom. He had Reader's Digest and Popular Mechanics. He read an article about how smart pigs were, and he decided to prove it to everybody. So he went to a local farm. At that time, there were real farms. They weren't industrial farms. My my schoolmate had was from a farm, and he got a little runt of the litter pig. They didn't think he was going to make it. It was such a little pig. But anyway, so we lived in this town called McHenry on the Fox River, north of Chicago. And so he brought that pig home to prove a point, and it was adorable. It had it was like a little pink skinned and little red hair. We called her Lucy, and she'd clip 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 across the linoleum tile in the kitchen, and just like a little puppy, would take her nose, a little flat nose, you know, and kind of rut, you know, and want attention, and would follow the cat around, and it was a delight. Um, but we had a dog, and uh, and a cat. And we lived in town. You know, you weren't supposed to have farm animals in your house. Uh, But anyway, he was proving a point. So we kept her until it got a little bit, until it got bigger. And then it had gained weight. And then we took it back to the farmer because so it could be back with the litter. But it took a little while to adopt, to hang around with the other pigs because it got used to, you know, living with people. So that's my story. Yeah, well, that's a Judy, great story. Judy, uh, wasn't that pig incredibly smart? It was adorable. Yes, it was so clean and smart, and it was no different than a dog, you know, and it, it pooped little pellets. However, you know, we took her out at certain times. It was it was just uh, is clean and fresh, and did it like to be little- cuddled? And like pet? oh yeah yeah it followed me around and and uh, yeah I was high school age and um, even though I was a Chicago girl I was born and raised the um, but oh yeah sure it liked to be cuddled it nuzzled and they had those little flat noses <laughs> those those piglets and a little wet it's a little cold I loved it. Oh, yeah. No, no. I was uh, surprised when I went out to Lockport. Yeah, incredible intelligence of those pigs. And like I said, my grandfather and grandmother had a horse. Man, what a stunat. It's almost like Ken here, our phone screener here, the uh, runway model. 
and a muscle between both of its ears. Anyway, let's go to Levi calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Levi. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Um, I might need to email because I have a lot of questions. But uh, to make a long story short, um, basically there's this outdoor cat that uh, we know of, me and my neighbor. And basically uh, it's been coming over for many months uh, every day. And uh, about 10 weeks ago it had a litter of kittens, three kittens, and we've been kind of tracking them um, ever since. And uh, so now they're about uh, 10 weeks old, and uh, <clears throat> basically we wanted to adopt them out. And um, I don't know they, we called the vet, and they said to kind of have them like in a kind of like in a kennel, like a dog crate, and you know take them to take them to the vet, whatever. But um, we managed to get two out of the three. Uh, I'm just feeling a little uneasy about it because it seems like they're not they're really not comfortable there. They're just like sitting there and scared. And uh, the mother cat keeps coming out over and trying to call them out. And uh, I just like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what, what we should, uh, you know, how we should proceed with this. And if it's okay to, for them to be separate at, at this age. Okay, well, yeah, so um, so in terms of uh, if, if they are like 10 weeks, then at that point, you know, if they're able to eat, um, independently, because at that point they should be able to do things like that. Now, I think the normal thing is it, they're going to be traumatized, no question, um, you know, because they're going to be missing the mother. The best thing is always you want to try to get them situated. Now, if there's a way to um, also uh, capture the mother at the same time, so for instance, the same sort of a, a sort of pen or crate that you're holding them in, because that would also make it easy, too, because now they're all together, they're feeling comfortable, and at a minimum, the mother um, can be fixed, so this way she's not going to have more litters. And the kittens, they are still young enough to be adopted out, because no question, they're going to be um, scared at first, but they're very young. They can overcome that, and as long as she's fixed, you know, like you can make it happen very nicely. But definitely, do, you know, uh, Definitely email me. I can help you with that, too. All right. Our final call is from Marjorie in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here, Marjorie. Yes. um, I just want to comment about something I read a long time ago. Not not too long ago. I also read that pigs are very intelligent, but there was something very interesting. I believe it was in Reader's Digest. Uh, This uh, lady uh, was having health issues. She happened to have a pet pig. Uh, the pig went out out on the road, stayed in the road until somebody followed him home, and the lady got help that way. So apparently, uh, I thought I thought that was remarkable. It stayed in my mind for a long time. Yeah, I can I could conceive of that, Marjorie. I'm telling you, as a little boy, you know, I had all the wrong impressions about pigs. You know, they're rolling around in the slop. You know, they're not very uh, bright. After spending a few weeks with them and feeding them and then talking to them and seeing them respond, uh, a hell of a lot smarter than some of the people who work around here at WABC, that's for sure. Especially the crew that will be coming up from 1 to 5 in the morning. I'm Mama Luke Frank Marano. But, Nancy, uh, just as Levi wanted more information about how to go about, uh, you know, uh, capturing the, the kittens and then the mother and what to do with them. If people were interested in further communication, how can they stay in touch with you? 
Sure. Um, so uh, guardianangels.org, that's the website, But and then you go to the Animal Protection tab. But you can also reach out to me directly and email nancy at guardianangels.org. And uh, remember, you have all the previous programs here, the Animal Welfare Hour, exclusive the WABC. Uh, they're all in podcast form. Go to wabcradio.com or the newest edition, our half-hour video animal welfare programs. All you got to do is go to the WABC YouTube channel, type in Red Apple Media, and, boy, you're going to see uh, Nancy there demonstrating uh, a lot of the things that you should do in terms of the care and maintenance of pets who are more like your family members. W-A-B-C.